The biggest global story today uh, is the uh, is Xi Jinping's visit to Russia to meet with Vladimir Putin. He outlined a 12-point plan for peace, certainly raised a few eyebrows in the US and indeed the UK too, and that's where we find Vincent McAvinney, our man in London. Vincent, good morning to you. Good morning. So we saw only a couple of weeks ago, Vincent, the uh, turbocharged charged appearance of your Rishi Sunak, the leader of the free world, Joe Biden, and from Australia, our Albo, our Prime Minister. Um, what do you think the reaction to this will be? Because it feels like a sort of hastily arranged um, show of strength by, by China and Russia, aimed at very much telling the AUKUS powers that they want a, a multipolar world. Yeah, I mean, this meeting has been in the pipeline for a little while. I think in part for Vladimir Putin, it comes with a good time because on Friday uh, he received uh, something uh, which is, is pretty rare for a sitting head of state, which is an arrest warrant being issued by the International Criminal Court for war crimes. Specifically, uh, the charges cited with evidence was the theft of around 60,000 Ukrainian children. Um, so he has been in sort of a, a wanting to project strength and defiance since then. So on Saturday, he made that unexpected surprise trip to Russian-occupied Ukraine for the first time going to Mariupol and going to Crimea as well for the anniversary of that annexation. Uh, he is, of course, now welcoming President Xi Jinping. And I think he's trying to say there is a new world order. He's someone who is obsessed with his position in history, his idea of Russia still as being a great power. Uh, and so I think he's trying to realign the axis uh, using sort of some of the global south and countries in the Middle East, China as well, and Russia banding together as a sort of counterpoint to the West. But it is a very different relationship than the last, uh, you know, we are in a new Cold War. The last Cold War, Russia was the major party, uh, and, and they considered China to be a sort of secondary, uh, you know, communist nation. It very much is now China pulling the strings. It's Putin who needs their help. Uh, it's, he needs their help with, uh, you know, trade. He needs their help with components, with weaponry. Uh, and so we'll see over the course of this visit just how far along uh, Xi Jinping is willing to go with Putin's plans as much as he has any. What are nerves in Ukraine, Vincent, about whether this, this partnership ultimately uh, yields ammunition or arms for Russia by way of China? Did we get any hints as to how close that reality might be uh, by virtue of this meeting? No hint so far, but I think we'll be watching uh, in the next day or two very closely to see whether or not that does change, it would be a major move by Xi Jinping, and it would likely result in yet more sanctions being placed on Chinese businesses, uh, which probably Xi Jinping is reluctant to do because you know, Russia trade is not going to make up for the loss of trade uh, with Europe, with the United States uh, in the coming years. So we'll see whether he goes that far. At the moment, they're saying they want to talk about the peace plan put forward by China last month, this 12-stage peace plan, uh, that's already been rejected by the United States, saying it would be a delaying tactic for Russia and that it would effectively, you know, pause the war in state and if it was ratified, just sanction all the gains that Russia had made. So that isn't getting much track internationally. We'll see, though, whether Xi Jinping decides that, you know, he's now secured this third historic term whether he decides to send some real signals around the world as well, particularly, of course, thinking maybe a few years down the line with what he wants to do with Taiwan, whether or not he's going to really go full pelt behind Russia now. Vincent, we're getting a lot of stories dribbling out in Australia now, and it's hard to know on what some of these yarns are based, but um, 
speculation about whether Harry and Meghan are going to be attending the coronation of King Charles, uh, which is only really weeks away now. There was one piece I read yesterday saying that apparently Harry has has uh, insisted that he thinks if they do go, or that they should not only should they go, but they should be allowed to stand on the balcony. Um, as I said, you know, anything that's got royal insiders in it as a source makes me raise one eyebrow. But what do you think? What do you think's going on? Do you think that they're going to attend? Well, they have confirmed that they've received that official invitation, so it is now in their court. But as, as Harry uh, said repeatedly in the press tour for his book, and if you read the book, it's very clear that he feels that uh, you know that, that his family have been wronged in recent years by the palace, by the people who are working around his father, and that there needs to be some kind of truth, some kind of apology before they'll consider you know taking part in an event like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, all will be revealed, I guess. Vincent McAvinney, our UK correspondent. Thanks very much for joining us this morning, Vincent. Thanks very much. 18 minutes to seven. Be an awkward old get-together, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you it's in May, think, isn't it? Family get-togethers always have a degree of awkwardness about who's going to sit where and, you know, what's going to... Yeah, but this is like... This is the problem is the Christmas whole world's watching steroids. this. Christmas dinner on steroids. This is if the whole world was watching your Christmas dinner and knew about every little minor feud that went on between every people. They don't... Family, every family occasions don't always have that, though. So they sometimes do. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, I mean, this does seem almost like irreconcilable differences territory. If he was my brother and he said all the things in public about me that he has about uh, Charles and that he has about William, I don't reckon I'd ever ever talk to him again. Yeah, it's almost as though you wonder if in the absence of the sort of forced protocols of the whole royal thing, whether they would have any relationship whatsoever. They're sort of forced together, these kind of events. Well, it doesn't matter if, if you're a member of the royal family or just an average punter. I reckon, you know, what's that great line from uh, what is probably my favourite Springsteen album, Nebraska? Man turns his back on his family, well, he just ain't no good. You know, you think, what is that song? It's about the, is it the, the one about the the cop whose who's brother lives is living on the wrong side of the law and he chases him to the um, state border and then pulls over and watches his taillights disappear because he's robbed a bank. Right. And this guy, the, the cop's chasing his own brother and then he goes, I'm just going to let him go, mm. which is, you know, wholly unethical, but maybe morally uh, defensible on family ground. Do you think Do you think Bruce had sort of... He should write a song about he, the coronation. Had, he, had he foreseen the, the sort of issues in the royal family, do you think? I I think he'd be I think he'd just be sad. <laughs> he would have got out his eight track and penned one of those. How good is that album, Nebraska? It's fantastic. Very underrated record. All right, David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, six to nine, five double A breakfast.